You know, I've been thinking a lot about Pastor Mark and how he recently shared with us out of Romans chapter 11 and verse 14 in the message version. And the last part of that verse says this, God's spirit beckons. Don't you love that? I want God to beckon me. I want God to call out to me. I want to hear his voice. And then it goes on to say he beckons for a purpose. He says this, there are things to do and places to go. Two thirds of God's name is go. Because God is on the move, on the move. Hallelujah. He's always moving. He always has purpose and intent behind everything that he does. You know, a few days ago, I was driving home and I was driving actually from the store through five canyons in Castro Valley. And I noticed as I came up the road that there was all sorts of those yellow diamond shaped traffic signs. You know, I just really hadn't noticed them before. But God drew my eye and my attention to them. And on the picture was a display of a person walking. And so I guess there's lots of crosswalks as you travel up that road. And so they display the sign. And the sign is displayed for a purpose. It's to let you know that people are in motion. That they're moving. They're on the move. And it tells you as a driver that this is a place where people take a walk. And there's lots of walks to walk in in life. And so I have a question for you. I want you to ask this of yourself. Where am I walking to in life? Do my steps have purpose? Am I walking in the direction that God's compass is pointing me to? You know, God can deal with you about some things, but it's not until you purpose to follow the leading and direction of the Holy Spirit that you're going to get to where he wants to take you. You know, I looked up in Webster's the word walk, and here's what I found. The word walk can mean several different things. It can mean to roam or to wonder. You know, the children of Israel did just that. They roamed around and they really didn't go anywhere. They traveled in a distance that was about 11 miles. I think that's correct. But they didn't go anywhere. They wandered in the wilderness. And they wandered there because they had a spirit of um, complaining and murmuring, not being thankful, not being grateful, not the spirit of faith that brought them out of bondage, but a spirit of wandering that caused them to wander. So that is one definition. Then another one says this. To walk means to be on the move, to move about, to walk, to pursue a course of action or way of life, way of conduct, way of behaving, to walk, to avoid criminal persecution. You know, some people take a walk. They don't get the conviction sometimes because that is right and just. Amen. And sometimes they've got a good attorney. (laughs) To walk is also to walk over problems or to manage problems. To walk is to walk on eggshells or to exercise stream caution. To walk, to walk through, to walk through something. That's pretty powerful. So let's go back and start in the beginning. And let's take a walk in the garden. Amen. And we're going to learn some lessons in the garden. And I'm going to read to you 
from the voice translation. So I don't think we have that up there. So I'll just go ahead and read to you and you all listen. Because sometimes it can be a little more distracting if you try to follow in a different translations. It says this. These are the generations of the heavens and of the earth when they were created. And in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Divine breath. Notice here that there was a body, but that body did not have life until something happened. Until God breathed into it and it became a living soul. This is God giving life to flesh. Your life is God given. Your life is God breathed. Every breath of God has purpose. And he has a purpose for you. A purpose every day to walk out. Amen? And the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life also was in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was really the tree of blessing and cursing. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life, the word of God says, that you may live and your seed. So what you do doesn't only affect you. It affects your spiritual seed and your natural seed. And verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to the beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs. And he closed up the flesh there instead therefore. And the rib which the Lord had taken uh, from man he made woman. And he brought her unto man. And Adam said this is bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Of all the creatures the eternal God had created, the serpent was the craftiest. So now, remember, we're talking about lessons in the garden. So here God has created this amazing place for his man to dwell and to live. A place where all their needs were met. Provision was there for them. God himself was there for him. He was the perfect God, the perfect parent, and these were his children in a perfect environment. But somebody showed up. The serpent, as we know, Satan, it's disguised as the serpent. And he says to the woman, is it true that God has forbidden you to eat fruits from the trees of the garden? And Eve replied, no serpent. God said we are free to eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. We are granted access to any variety and all amounts of fruit with one exception. The fruit from the tree found in the center of the garden. God instructed us not to eat or touch the fruit of the tree or we would die. Well, the serpent posed a question. 
die? No, you'll not die. God's playing games with you. The truth is, God knows that the day that you eat the fruit from the tree, you will be awakened something, it will awaken something powerful in you, and you will become like Him. Posing knowledge of both good and evil. Notice that he was tempting her to think that she could be equal with God. That she would know what God knows. It says then in verse 6, The woman approached the tree, eyed its fruit, and coveted its mouth-watering, wisdom-granting beauty. And she plucked a fruit from the tree, and she ate. She then offered the fruit to her husband, who was close by, and he ate as well. Suddenly their eyes were opened to the reality previously unknown. For the first time, they sensed their vulnerability. They rushed to hide their naked bodies stitching fig leaves together. Then they heard the sound of the eternal God walking. There's that word again. God was walking in the cool, misting shadows of the garden. And the man and his wife took cover among the trees and hid from the eternal God. Wow. What just happened? Something happened because of a act of man that had to do with a tree. You know, even the story of humanity and humanity's sin begins with a tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then finally, it ends with a tree. The cross that Jesus went to. The first fruits offered Fruit that led to what? Death. But the second offered death that led to life. God called to Adam, Where are you, Adam? Adam? Well, he replied, When I heard the sound of you coming in the garden, I was afraid because I am naked, so I hid from you. What does sin do? Sin produces fear and shame. Sin separates you. God had set boundaries. And boundaries are his way of showing love. We're to set boundaries in our own lives for ourselves and for others. And oftentimes it's when people don't want to experience the consequence of the boundary that the boundary has no respect. And it's so important because no boundary, no respect, no respect, no obedience. And so they were walking in this place where God had set this boundary and they crossed it. And in crossing it, there was a consequence that had to be there. It wasn't that God put a curse on them. It was that they chose to eat from the tree of blessing or cursing. They walked right into it. And as they did, we know that from that moment, they were spiritually separated from God. And so it began. Verse 10 says, or verse 11, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree in the center of the garden, the very one I commanded you not to eat from? And Adam pointed to the woman. It was she. The woman that you gave me. You gave her to me as a companion and put fruit in my hands. And I did eat it. So the blame game begins. So we find that instead of using authority. See, that's another walk that we're to walk in this earth. We're to walk in authority. If you don't use your authority, you are going to lose your authority. But instead of doing that, instead of using the authority that God gave him when he said, I give you dominion over, 
He made excuses. Excuses that, well, this happened or that happened. It's so easy to come up with an excuse. It's so easy to justify why we do what we do. And you know, there is a way that seems right into man, but it leads to the absence of God's presence. And the absence of God's presence is equal to death. And so that's why we need the word of God to be able to look into it. The law of liberty that has set us free. Amen. Amen. So that we can walk in a place that God has called us to walk. Walking in authority. So that's one walk we're going to talk about tonight. Walking in your authority. Taking your authority. So you notice that the enemy comes. And he comes to seek, to, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he does that so often by speaking lies, by trying to persuade you or convince you that it good is, or evil is good. Amen? And if you take the thought saying, guess what? It, it takes root in your heart. And it produces nothing of God. And so again, you've got to take your authority. You've got to use what God has given you. In um, a book I've been reading, it's called Teach Us to Want. Teach us the right desires, Lord. Teach us how to desire what you desire. I want to read to you from one of the pages. This is by Jen Pollock. It's a really great book. And it talks about the garden. It talks about the first catastrophic story of human rebellion against God. And it was an example of a case of wanting, wanting desire gone wrong. So when the woman saw the tree that was good for fruit, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. Adam and Eve had all that they could have ever needed, and yet it ceased to satisfy them. They reached past God's blessing and held out their hand for forbidden fruit. Shouldn't this serve as a lesson to all of us about the dangers of our own desires? Not only do we want God, what God has forbidden, but we also want to be God. Eve was persuaded to disobey God when the serpent convinced her that she would be like him, knowing good and evil. Um, that is, again, something that the enemy seeks to do. He will use any kind of bait that he knows you will respond to. And just like Pastor said, he's aware of what you will respond to. So the Bible says to resist him. And when you resist him, something spiritual begins to happen. And then it says the consequence of resisting the enemy is that he will flee from you. Amen? How many times do we think that we know better and we want things our way? We've got to stop and we've got to, you know, with every endeavor of life, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And to petition heaven for his will. What is your will for me? You know better than I do. Eve thought she was putting herself in God's seat because she knew better. And we have to be so aware of the strategies of the enemy, especially so much in the day that we're living. Amen? Because there's pools all over to step out of different walks. We're going to talk in a minute about the walk of love, walking in love. And so we need to make sure that our walk lines up with his walk. So how do we trust our own desires? How do we trust our own hearts? 
when our hearts sometimes want to lead us in a different direction. And sometimes we don't really even know it. The word of God says that there's one thing that separates between the soul and the spirit. And that is the word of God. It's quick and it's sharp. And it divides between the soul and the spirit. So in making decisions, like the decision that Eve made in the garden when she had everything she could possibly want or desire, you have to go back to what does God say? And in the garden, God said to her, don't eat off of that tree because it's going to bring problems into your life. But she chose another way. And God has so given us the free ability to choose. He's a gentleman. And he's going to be a gentleman in our lives. He's not going to force his will on you. He wants you to choose it. He wants you to yield to it. He wants you to seek it. And when you seek him, you'll find him. When you seek him, you'll find his will. Amen? But that takes a commitment of your heart. It takes time. It takes your priority of putting him first and delighting yourself in him. Just like we were here tonight and you come together and the presence of God comes down upon you and it does something to your heart. It touches your heart and your heart becomes his heart. And your heart becomes tender. And it becomes yielded to the Spirit of God. And you sense His presence of His love. Garrison rounds about you and within you. And you can say, Lord, here I am. Use me, not my will, but your will be done. I will delight myself in you. And I will give you, Lord, my whole heart. So that you can give to me. See, it's a divine exchange. I give you my heart. And as you give him your heart, God gives you his heart. He plants it down on the inside of you. His desires for you. And they begin to grow. Amen. Sometimes we think, oh, this desire here, this is what I want. This is what I need. I mean, it might be a goal that you have for your own life. It might be a relationship that you have. It might be something that you're pursuing. And you think, oh, this is it. But again, have you submitted it to God? Before you allow your soul, amen, Sia, to walk ahead of your spirit, you got to stop and ask for directions. Because many times you will get your soul engaged. And in your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your emotions will get involved in a matter. In a relationship. In an endeavor. Your own reasoning. Well, this makes sense, right? Will get involved in the matter. And you'll start walking... Walking out in your soul to the point that your soul is engaged and involved and somewhat consumed. But your spirit back here, you haven't checked in. And so you've walked ahead in your soul and now you're involved in your soul. And what do I do? That happens sometimes with people in relationships. Where, you know, they have to stop and, and really check some things out before they get to that point where they're involved in a relationship with somebody. And again, if you allow God to deal with your heart, he says in Philippians 2.13 that it won't be in your own strength that you have to do this. It won't be like something that's so hard to do that you can't do it. It will be because God is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing in you, creating in you both the will and the what? Desire to work for him. 
for his good pleasure, for his satisfaction, until he's what? Delighted. And when he's delighted and he's working in you, guess what? Your heart will begin to be delighted. But people struggle and they get in places of torment because they walk ahead of their spirit with their soul. So again, I want to caution you about that. In the uh, New Living Translation, Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I just want to please God. How about you? Amen. Amen. Sometimes, again, you got to test the waters. Let's go back to talking a little bit about relationships. Because I work with pastoral care, and I deal a lot with this. Where people, again, get ahead in their soul and not check in with their heart or their spirit, the spirit of God in them. So sometimes you got to test the waters when it comes to things. Sometimes people, you know, they get together in a relationship. And... Um, you got to see if you're compatible. You got to see if you share the same core values. And those values are godly values. You've got to give it some time to see people under pressure. If you're entering into a business situation, you got to know who you're entering into business with. You got to wait till the pressure's on and they get a little squeezed. Amen? Like that toothpaste tube, when you squeeze it, what's going to come out? Toothpaste. Well, when people get under pressure and they get squeezed, you're going to see what comes out. Is character coming out? Godly character, amen? Are the right words coming out? You can locate people in their faith when they're under pressure. Amen? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And so, here's another thing. Are they teachable? Do they have a humble heart? Because, you know, pride becomes before a fall. It's one of the six things that God says he hates. A prideful look. And so you got to check out... Who you're hanging around. Who are your covenant friends? Who are the ones that you're entering into relationship with? Whether it's a personal relationship, business relationship, any kind of relationship. Because what I've found is some of that stuff is contagious. And it will get off on you just like chicken pox will, you know? And that's not fun. That's part of the curse. So there's mindsets that you want to stay away from. Amen? That you want to say, danger, danger, Will Robinson. Amen? And you want to heed the warnings. Heed the warnings. Don't override the warnings. Ask God to help you in those things. Amen? You know, Jesus prayed the prayer of consecration, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 26. And it says that he didn't just pray it once. He didn't just pray it twice. He prayed it three times. Lord, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, not what I want, not what I don't want to face. But what do you have for me? Because whatever God has... He has the grace equal to it. Amen? And so, praise the Lord. In Him, we live. In Him, we move. And in Him, we have our being. And when you're in that place, and you're walking in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's when you can trust your heart. When your heart is inclined to God and inclined to the word and you are devoted to him. He's going to make sure that your steps are secure. Amen. Walk in the spirit. That's his instruction. And let the spirit order your life. If you do, you'll never give. You'll never give in to selfish and sinful cravings. 
You know, again, another walk is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It says to walk circumspectly. And that's exactly what we're saying here. Just to walk carefully. That's the word. Work cautiously. Walk as if you were walking amongst thorns. You're watching where you place your feet. And you're watching how you place them. Amen? Um, there's another walk I want to talk about for just a moment. It's called the walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And this walk, again, is a walk where God says that in the midst of it, you can fear no evil. Now that is a revelation if you receive it to your heart. Because the valley of the shadow of death is a place where there's no hope. A place where there's despair and despondency. But it's also a place where God dwells. Because God is omnipotent, right? He's everywhere. And you know, in that place, it can feel like you're alone. In that place, it can feel like there is no hope. But I want to come here tonight to encourage you that in that place, you can fear not. Because there is a hope that God will bring to your hearts. That this is not going to be something that's going to last forever. You're going to walk on through it. And you're going to get to the other side. So when you're in the place of the valley of the shadow of death, here are some things to do. Psalms 1 says, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. Again, that's natural wisdom. There's wisdom that's earthly and sensual. Wisdom of sometimes the soul. But then there's the wisdom that's from above, which is pure. And God says, if you ask for wisdom and you don't waver and you don't wonder, God, am I going to get the wisdom I need? But you say, oh, Lord, thank you for your wisdom in this situation. Thank you for the spirit of seeing and knowing that I'm going to know just what to do, how to do it, when to do it, what to say, when to say it. Amen. And God will grant it to you. But again, you can't lean to your own understanding. But you got it in all your ways. Not some of your ways. Not most of your ways. But in every way. In all your ways. Acknowledge him. And he says he's going to do something for you. He's going to grant you wisdom for your pathway. He will lead you in the right steps. It will be like the good shepherd does. Green pastures, still waters. Amen? But again, it's yielding your will to the will of the Father. And sometimes people find pastures that aren't so green. Because they didn't incline their ear to God's counsel. Psalms 119.105 says what? You guys know it. The word is a lamp unto my feet and it lights up my path. It's a light to my path. When I walk in darkness, the word illuminates the light of God so that I know where I'm going. So that I won't step off the path and be injured or hurt. But I'm going to stay on course. Everybody said, I'm going to stay on course. And I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I will fear no evil. Because evil will not come nigh my dwelling. Do you believe it? You know it's true. But you got to add your faith to it to activate it in your life. Psalms 91 is an absolute fact. It is God's word. But what activates the word? Faith in the word. Amen. Faith has to be in how many places? Two places. It's got to be where? In your heart and in your mouth. 
And it can't be yesterday's faith. Yesterday's manna. That's logos. And it's dangerous. Because you think that you're walking in faith and you're not. You're walking into what you knew yesterday. And that that can become a form of godliness. And yet deny power. Because you don't have what God's telling you to do today. Because God is a diverse God. And he wants you to trust in him and not a formula. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He wants you to seek him. So that you can find him. Fresh rhema for today. And so that comes from sitting at his feet and opening up your heart and welcoming him in. Amen? Amen. It comes from feeding upon his word. Where you take his word and you eat his words. And you let them digest down here in your spirit. And then they, they cause nutrients, spiritual nutrients, to affect your soul. So that your thoughts become his thoughts. Your ways of doing things become his ways. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's talk about another walk. How about walking in trust? Walking in trust. We talk a lot about walking in faith. And there's another way to say it. There's a walk of trust. You know, healing comes in such a diversity of ways. Let's use that as the subject for walking in trust. You know, there was... I've had several different things I've had to walk through in regards to healing over the course of the years. And I remember one time I had gotten... I'd gone to the doctor... And I'd gotten an evil report. And so my mind was trying to wrap itself around what to do. This is probably 20 years ago. And I was really tormented by the thought of what to do. And I had to do just what I'm sharing with you tonight. I had to walk in a place of trust. And I remember petitioning God, and I remember praying, and really, you know, still just not, okay, Lord, what about this? What to do about this? How to approach this? I know what they're saying, but what do I need to do? And one day, I just turned around. I I remember standing in my kitchen and reaching for something over by the coffee pot. And I mean, I just, as I reached up, I looked up to heaven. I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. But I trust you. And as I finally came to the end of myself, trying to figure out what to do, I felt this warmth come all over my body. It started at my head, and it was like that butter you hear about. And it went through my being. When I simply said, Lord, I don't know what to do, but I just, I trust you. Well, I went back to the doctor, and we went through the test, and the mass that was there was gone. Amen? Amen. And so that's one way of walking in trust, trusting God. You know, simply just saying, I don't know what to do, but I just, I trust you, Lord. And sometimes God gives you direction on, you know, I mean, he always will give direction on what to do. But it will be differently at different times. Sometimes it's going through treatment. I shared that with you recently, where I had to go through medical treatment. And the things that you go through that you have to trust God at another level that you've never trusted him before. But I'll tell you, his grace is there to take you through. His grace is there to help you. And through the valley of the shadow of death, you can walk absolutely free from fear. 
And you can discipline your mind to say, I will not receive fear, thoughts of fear. And I will not frustrate the grace of God that is on me through those thoughts. And you can just keep on walking. And I don't care what comes knocking at your door. I don't care how long that it takes. You walk it out one day at a time, whatever it is. Maybe it's not healing for you. Maybe it's something else that you're walking through. And you feel weary. And you feel tired. And you feel like you want to give up. And you feel like it'll never change. I'm here to tell you, keep walking. Keep walking. Because God's going to walk with you. And he's going to help you to get to the other side. Amen. Just trust him. Trust in his grace. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's just praise him. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your goodness towards us. We thank you that you, oh, Father, care about us. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. There's, how about in Leviticus where it talks about walking in his statutes? I love that. I love to walk in God's ways of doing and being right. And you know, there's a consequence to that. And I want to read it to you. It says in Leviticus 26 verse 3, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then I will give you rain in due season. And the land shall yield her increase. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And your threshing shall reach into the vintage. And the vintage shall reach into the sowing time. And ye shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in the land in safety. I will give you peace in the land. And ye shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. I will rid evil beasts out of your land. Neither shall the sword go through your land. And ye shall cease Uh, You shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. And five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. For I will have respect unto you and make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. That's the consequence. Amen. For walking in his statutes and keeping his commandments and doing them. So we're to walk with him that way. And later on it says in that very chapter that when we do that, God will walk amongst us and be our God. And we will be his people. There's so many walks that we could talk about tonight. Enoch, he walked with God and then was not. Noah, he walked with God in a generation that was so difficult, so evil, but he was found faithful. Amen? And we're here today because of it. Because of his choice to serve God. Your choice to serve God will affect others. Okay, as we're closing, let's talk about that walk in love or the walk in unity. And I I tell you, I love this passage of scripture. Um, It's found in 2 Corinthians and it says this. It says, again, it's the voice, so I want to read it to you. If you find any comfort from being in the anointed, if his love brings you some encouragement, if you experience true companionship with the spirit, if his tenderness and mercy fill your heart, does his tenderness and mercy fill your heart in the day and the hour that we're living in? That's going to depend what you're eating. Amen. And what you're seeing and how you're seeing it. God has called us to unity. God has called us to walk a walk of love 
for one another, brotherly love, believing the best of every person. Amen? Its hopes are fadeless. It has hope in one another. It is kind and patient and tolerant one to another. It doesn't rejoice at injustice, but it rejoices when right and truth prevails. Amen? It's not boastful. It's not vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. Oh, Father, it's not touchy. It's not fretful or fearful. It's not resentful. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Amen? But it rejoices. Love rejoices. Unity, the spirit of unity rejoices. Let's read on. Here is the one thing that would complete my joy. Come together as one in mind and spirit and purpose, sharing in the same love. Don't be selfish and prideful and have a prideful agenda. Embrace true humility and lift your heads to extend love to one another. Get beyond yourself and protecting your own interest and be sincere and secure in your neighbor's interest first. In other words, adopt the mindset of Jesus, the anointed. Live with his attitude in your heart. And here it is. Remember, though he was in the form of God, he chose not to cling to equality with God. But he poured himself out to fill a vessel brand new, a servant in the form and a man indeed. The very likeness of humanity, he humbled himself. He was obedient to the cross, a merciless death on the cross. And so God raised him up to the highest place and he gave him a name above every name. And so when his name is called, every knee bows in heaven, on earth and below the earth. And every tongue will confess what? That Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now here Paul He's talking about and describing a community where every person considers the needs of another and does nothing through selfish selfish motives. They pull together rather than pull apart. And it is a body that knows its purpose and lets nothing interfere with its purpose. What's its purpose? To preach the good news. Amen? Amen? To bring the love of God to a lost and dying world. Amen. Not to argue with everybody. No. Not to have strife with everybody. There's a spirit of strife roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom it may devour. Say this with me, family. It will not, it will not devour, me devour me because there's a higher way. And I put my trust in God. He can do what we can't do. It is an extended spiritual family, this community, where others line up to become part of this sacred assembly and to make it their home because they feel encouragement and they know they are truly loved. You know if somebody is sincere in their love for you. You know if it's authentic. And the only place that you're going to have love that is sincere and authentic is when you have the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And it bubbles up 
and it flows out of you. People know if it's real. It's not something that you can fake. And so Paul urges the Philippians here to strive for this radical unity and fulfill his joy by having the mind of Jesus who humbled himself and became a servant and suffered the death of the cross. Jesus becomes the example of humanity and service leading to the kind of unity that Paul imagines in his heart. Jesus is showing us his footsteps. He's showing us the way. And it's the road of humility and love and sincere care one for another where we weep together and we laugh together. Amen? Where we come alongside of each other It makes a difference when you reach out to touch another and you reach out with the love of God. You reach out with your faith and you have your faith walk alongside of them. It's not hard. It's really easy. I want to tell you about a young lady who, you know, I endeavor to look for these assignments from God where God will just Put somebody on your heart. Amen? And I had, about a year ago, a young lady, and everywhere I go, I just, I endeavor. And I love to do this, too. Because God's worked that in me. To be a blessing to people. I open the door for them. Good morning. Hello. How are you? God bless you. And I have been going through this particular drive through Um, Over the past year when I'd stop to get grandkids something and um, I would pull up and and ask for something. I'd pull around and this young lady would be there and I would always just love on her. How are you today? God bless you. Thank you so much. Whatever utterance God gave me to speak to her little words of life, of joy of gratitude. Thank you so much. And I'll tell you over the course of, I mean, I don't go there all the time, but you know, every other week or so I would plant seed because I'm, I can disperse seed. I can do that. Amen. And so can you. And so I began to notice she would recognize my voice. And when I would pull around, she would be so excited to see me because I was excited to see her. And two weeks ago, this went on for a year, two weeks ago, I went through her drive-thru and when when I came up, she leaped out of the window (laughs) and she said, guess what? And I said, what? I mean, she couldn't wait to hear, tell me this news. She said, guess what? I got an offer somewhere else for a job position. I said, you did? Well, congratulations. Praise God. She goes, yes, but I don't know what to do. My dad thinks I should stay here, and I'm just not sure what to do. And I says, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. There was my door of opportunity. Amen? Amen. I said, I'm going to pray for you. She goes, you will? And I go, yeah. She goes, you know, my mom told me to do that. I said, well, I'm telling you what, God's going to show you exactly what to do. And she said, she goes, thank you so much. I said, you're welcome. I said, did you know? I said, I serve on a pastoral staff at at a church here in Hayward. And she goes, you do? And I go, yeah. She goes, do you have a card? I need to get in church. So I gave her a card and I... I went, I went on through, and I think it was a week later, wasn't it, Sia? We went through, and I, I came up to her, and, and she came out of the window again. And she said, guess what? And I said, what? She goes, they asked me to stay here and be a supervisor. I go, is that right? 
She goes, yeah, but I'm still not sure. I go, you know, we're going to pray for you and you're going to know just what to do. She goes, I misplaced the card. Can I have another card? There's people lined up behind me and she won't get out of the window. Why is that? Because there was something tangible there for her. The love of God was present. Somebody who sincerely cared for her. Who built this little relationship through a window. Amen? You can do that. You can bring that spirit of generosity wherever you go. And God will use you in glorious ways. Really fun ways. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. In closing, I want to read you this poem. And it's one that you have all probably heard before. But I want to put you in remembrance of it. Because we're talking about walking tonight. Places to walk in. God will grant you walks to walk. Well, this, this poem is called Footprints. In the sand. And it says, One night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord, and across the sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene, I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand. One belonged to me, and the other belonged to the Lord. And when the last scene of my life flashed before us, I looked back at the footprints in the sand and I noticed that many times along the path of my life there was only one set of footprints. I also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in my life and this really bothered me and I questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you you would walk with me all the way. But I have noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why in times when I need you the most, you should leave me. The Lord replied, My precious, precious child, I love you. I would never, never leave you during your times of trials and suffering. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And you might be in that place tonight where you need God to carry you. In Isaiah, it says that we can walk and not be weary. Have you not known? Have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is he weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And he giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases strength. And even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall but they that wait upon the Lord they shall renew their strength they shall mount up with wings as eagles and they shall run they'll run in faith and they'll not be weary they'll walk and they will not faint that is God's promise to you if you're in that condition tonight where we have all been in our lifetime, where you're weary and you're heavy laden, remember that you can come to Jesus and he will give you rest for your soul, hope for your heart, a path to walk in when there doesn't seem to be a way he is the way. He'll make a way. He'll create it for you. Amen? Hallelujah. Just don't turn from him. Turn to him. Run to his loving arms. 
that are open wide, that he wants to just swoop you up and carry you a while. Amen. Let you recover your strength. Sometimes you just get the wind knocked out of you and you're down there and you're gasping for breath and you just need a moment to catch your breath. And then the Holy Spirit comes along and he breathes into you that breath of life that we were talking about when we started. Hallelujah. Let him breathe on you tonight. Oh, Father, we just invite you. We invite you to garrison around each and every person. To exchange our strength for yours. Our weariness for your strength. Our fear for your faith. are striving for your love.